1: Where you spend your money, um, where what bank you use, what credit card you use, um, you're making a decision with that money, right? You're, you're giving them um, power. And so if that's not a company you believe in, if, that, if they are practicing in a way that is against your values, don't spend your money there right think about the bank that's doing good works in the community and deposit your money there think about where you're buying your groceries think about where you're buying your flowers this time of year you know the the millennial generation has taught us to 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 do this much better than ever before and it's like your dollars speak loud and clear and that goes to investing too um you know, when you're looking at companies and the choices they make and how they treat their employees and how they treat the environment, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that's lined up with your values. And I try to do the same myself and it doesn't always work out perfectly. Um, but I I think you feel so much more connected to all of those aspects when you're Mm -hmm. thoughtful about, um, where you're directing your own money.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Jennifer Cannon. Jennifer is the Vice President and Business Development Officer at Impact Asset Management. What does it mean, Impact Asset Management? Well, as you're about to find out, Jennifer and I explore what is it like to have more impact on your decisions in investing? You're going to hear that Jennifer is a rosé lover, and in honor of that, I'm going to recommend that you sit on back and sip a glass of Prejean's rosé. Prejean is a Seneca Lake wine, and I think you're very much going to enjoy it. We hope you enjoy this show, and that you feel we are making an impact on you.
2: You are listening to Wine and Dime, the podcast that combines two passions: wine and personal finance, with your host Amy Irvine. Amy is a certified financial planner and owner of Rooted Planning Group and author of Uncork Your Finances. You can learn more about Amy by heading over to the website, www.rootedpg.com. And now on to the show. Take it away, Amy.
0: Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Jennifer Cannon. Jennifer and I started talking a couple of months ago after I had read an article with Pax Elevate. For those of you that don't know, it is an amazing organization. It's amazingly supporting women, and this is going to be one of those podcasts that I think any gender is going to love and know how to better um, elevate women in our profession. So, Jennifer, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm really excited to be on your show. You've had um, some wonderful podcasts that I was able to listen to. So. I appreciate this opportunity.
0: Well, thank you.
1: So, as you
0: know, if you've listened to the show, we always like to to reference that we think life is like a vineyard. We think we all start someplace with our roots, and we grow our vines. And um, and I can't I can't let a guest get by without asking if they have a favorite wine, just in case I've never had it.
1: Sure, sure. So. Um, I am not a huge wine drinker in the sense that I I do try what people recommend. Um, If My secret is I actually love champagne, but this Mm -hmm. this time of year in the Northeast when uh, the flowers are starting to come out and the snow is finally gone. I I have to say that rosé has sort of been on my mind Mm -hmm. and I've had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to have um, some really good rosé in the past. I guess, two weeks, there's a a local brand here in New Hampshire where I'm based. Our main office is in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and it's called Live Free Rosé. And every portion of each bottle goes to um, a nonprofit, which supports a couple of different programs throughout the state. Um, called the Rock On Foundation. So its program is around artistic and athletic opportunities in the state. So I like that. So not only is it a really nice dry rosé um, and it gives me a taste of summer. So I get really excited about, but it's also doing some good work. Um, with profits. Oh, that's amazing. We'll have to look that yeah. one up. Um, I'm a big rosé fan
0: in the in the spring and summer as well. I still always default to my dark reds, but my dry dark reds. But rosé is very refreshing, so we'll have to look that one up. I always like to um, combine drinking wine with feeling good about what the proceeds of that wine Definitely. are
1: going to. Gives <laughs> you an excuse to have another glass. <laughs>
0: It absolutely does. Whenever there's those fundraisers, like, you know, for animals or for any event, actually, and it's like, hey, come grab, grab a glass of wine and a snack and, you know, raise, raise awareness of a particular issue or raise money. I'm 100% on board to those fundraisers. (laughs) So tell us a little bit for the people that don't know, um, tell us a little bit about, first of all, your journey, but also about PAX Elevate, because I think it's this little hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about, and it's doing great work. Um, And I'd love to know how you kind of came to work with them and your background and, and, you know, what, what led you to coming to work with
1: them? Sure. So, um, for those of you who don't know, PAX Elevate is a partnership between Sally Krawcheck, um, which some of you might know. She's a Wall Street veteran who's been around for a while and has done a lot around um, promoting and empowering women in financial services. And it's a partnership between Sally and Pax World, um, which is a mutual fund company that's been around since 1971 and was really founded on the concept of you can do good with your money. So PACS stands for peace. Um, And all of our funds since 1971 have had a focus on making a positive impact and providing investors an opportunity to move the needle on issues they care about. So, for example, we have funds that are focused on the environment and finding solutions to a more sustainable economy. And so investors can invest in that, in those companies that are focused on these solutions and doing good. Um, put their money in there and be knowing they're moving the needle on environmental issues. PAX Elevate is the first fund of its kind and will be coming up on five years um, this June. And really what we set out to show and, and prove was that by investing in companies that are embracing gender equality, that have a diverse set of people um, and our focus happens to be on gender, but it even goes beyond that when you look at the studies. But in their leadership mm-hmm. teams on their board of directors, these companies perform better. So we've been investing that way, and it's proven out in real time um, that this is a, a really smart way to invest. And at the same time, we use our voice as investors in all these companies um, across all of our funds to move the needle on some of the major issues that are still really prevalent around gender inequality and that's pay gap. Um, you know, on average, it's about 80 cents for every man's dollar and that's on average. And that's for mm-hmm. just white women. If you start to look at women of mm-hmm. color, those numbers just get even lower and lower. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, ugly. they're <laughs> ugly. And this is, you know, 2019 and we're still looking at this. And then the other issue is talking about board diversity and diversity and leadership. And when we started the fund, some people; these companies wouldn't even take our calls or even have this conversation around this. Um, and then slowly, we've been able to make some huge change with major companies that you would know and recognize. So it's it's an exciting um, coming together of both investing and engagement with companies. And we've found that a lot of people are really excited about the work that we're doing, and so the space has grown grown significantly. So we were the first one out of the gate and now there's about 35 different funds doing something similar, not quite what we're doing. Um, and I got involved with this because I've been in the industry since 1993. Um, and back then I can remember being for many, many years, the only woman, um, very frustrated with that environment of just being, you know, no one to talk to, no one really to look up to as a mentor or a sponsor. And my mother gave me an article about so- Sally Crockeck. I mean, this was years and years ago. And she was moving and shaking in Wall Street and really standing up um, for women and about women years and years ago. And I read an article about her my mom said, you know, you're not the only woman out there. And it really led me in my own personal life to look for opportunities to connect with other women, which has helped me all along the way. We, we can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. We need to all have... Um, mm-hmm you know, our little board of directors, or we need to have mentors or sponsors or what we really think um, helps move the needle the most when people are supporting you behind closed doors and and helping you get to your next spot. So that-
0: yeah, I read it. I read an article or a quote the other day that I thought really, um, when you're talking about your experiences, it said, um, you don't change culture through emails and member. Mem- Excuse me. You don't change culture through emails and memos. You change it through relationships, one conversation at a time. And it's hard because I started out in the profession around the same time that you did. And I know I've said to people back then, you know, we never we would go to conferences and I, this is a silly little thing, but I noticed it was about the only place that as a woman, I never had to reach to, go to the bathroom. It's crazy. And, you know, now it's getting to the point where there, there's, it's getting close, it's getting better, but it's still, we still have a long way to go. And when you talk about at the board level, at the C-suite level, we, we still
1: have a long we way to go. We definitely do. do. Um, there's just not enough women being represented in in these positions. And I always like to make the analogy, um, I've had the opportunity to sit on a couple of different boards and committees and, and different projects. And when there's all women in the room, I don't think we make we're kind of there's some group think, so it's the same concept flipped. You know, if there's all men in the room, there's this sort of same group think. But when you have diversity, and at the very least, we like to see three women because that's what we refer to as the tipping point in which all the studies say um, that's when change happens. It's just there's more point of view, there's more perspective, there's different solutions and um, better problem solving. It's a much more innovative group. And I've found that both personally when I've been involved with organizations and just in the research that I've seen um, professionally. But I agree with you about the bathroom lines. I can can remember when I had my (laughs) first child um, and this is how crazy it was. And if you talk to women that are Younger and entering the workforce, they can't even believe this story is true. I I was nursing. Um, I was really trying to nurse and I would have to go into the conference room every single day and tape up a piece of paper to cover the glass window and then hold my feet against the door. It's just crazy. Oh my god. It's a, a oh. long way because that, that's, that child is actually 16 now. And I, I don't think that would happen in most companies, but <laughs> that's, that was reality back then and no one questioned it.
0: And, and so what made you even get interested in finance profession? Because there again, you know, there's not, even today, there's still not a ton of us. And I know you and I, spoke a little bit about this sort of corresponded a little bit about this, but, um, you know, I'm on this mission. I am on this mission to get women comfortable with finances. I'm on this mission to get women comfortable in our profession. I think it's a great, great profession for women. There's a ton of flexibility. There's they're meant to be in this. I think they're meant to be in this particular profession. They just don't know it yet. And we need to be welcoming to them and, you know, definitely guide them. Like, you know, I've said many times, I don't want to be that woman that says, well, I walked uphill and snow, you know, five miles to school and from school. And so you have to, too. Let's get you on the bus and get you to the location and make it you know so that yes you learn and you appreciate it but that it doesn't have to be that struggle so so tell us like what got you interested in finance
1: so I actually graduated from college um, with a degree in English. So I found myself living in Boston, which is where there's some of the major mutual fund companies. And I was lucky that I had a friend who said, you know, there's this company here that's hiring and it's working for a mutual fund. And I had no idea what that was, um, but I ended up working for Putnam Investments back then, and they had an incredible Incredible training ground. Again, I was one of probably three women on a, a massive team, um, but they really invested in um, all of us to help us sort of figure out our path and how to present and how to engage and how to build relationships and how to understand the market and how to become, you know, an expert. Um, so that was an incredible experience for me and a really positive one. And throughout that time, both at Putnam and then if you look through my career, the different companies I've worked for, um, I've been lucky that every once in a while I have come across someone who's been a mentor or sponsor that's sort of helped me find my way. Um, and it hasn't necessarily been women, sometimes it's men who will step up and say, You know, I see um, the talent you have, I see the drive that you have, I think you could be really good at this. So. Maybe you're not comfortable taking risks in your career, but let me tell you, you know, what you can do and that why you should try this. And so that's how the opportunity happened. How I found myself sort of in this space today is quite interesting because I was sort of in a traditional role selling um, different types of financial products that sort of had no kind of impact, but I took an opportunity Um, for about five years where I worked for two different community foundations. And my role was to work with individuals and families and foundations to help them with their charitable giving. And again, this was new to me because I was very comfortable with the financial side of the business, but not the giving. And I met, the most incredible people who were so charitable and they were just really looking to move the needle on so many different issues that they cared about. And everyone cared about something slightly different. And my role was to help them take that capital and put it to good work. And that was like vetting organizations and setting up different gifts and structures. And so I love that work. So I wanted to find a way that I could both do sort of the impact work and get back to financial services, which I loved. And so this was a perfect place for me to come. And I had the opportunity to get to know Joe Keefe, who's our president about um, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And he kept telling me, this is a place where you'd love to work. This is where you can really make change happen. And, you know, he's a feminist himself with four daughters. And so the opportunity came (laughs) about for me to join about a year and a half ago, and I, I couldn't be happier. Well,
0: I think what I love, so I, you know, of course I looked at your LinkedIn profile and, you know, we've had some correspondence, but I think what I, just what I love about your story is exactly why I think women make a great contribution to this profession, because um, you're talking about something you're passionate about. I could hear it in your voice. I, I, I heard the elevation in your voice when you started talking about, you know, how this How being able to do both things meant so much to you and and for your children and for your children's children and, you know, everybody involved. And that's the thing that we can do when more women get more equalization comes to the table on people in finance. Right. So I'm a big one about it's not just about women. It is about the face of this nation. And we finance should look like (laughs) Um, our country looks, you know, that diversity should be there. And just talking, listening to you talk about how your path was formed or how, how your vines were, you know, intertwined with each other, I think just shows what a great profession it is to, to get in. And, and when, so you mentioned that um, you were an English major, you said, um, when when you were a kid, would you ever exposed to you know, money conversations, is that what planted the seed or no, was
1: it so just really location? We talked, you, you had, um, asked me a question a while about, and this is something that I've spent some time studying myself, um, through some different coursework, um, is sort of the psychology of money and, and what our attitudes are around money because I, it's a really loaded topic yeah. and I, I found that working with families, you know, you'd have parents who just didn't talk to their kids ever about money. And then you'd have parents that at a very early age, talk to them about what giving back was and how it's so important and what money means and that you have to work for it. So in my household, it was a very traditional, old fashioned way um, of handling money. And so You know, I look back at it and it's not that my parents did anything wrong. I just think they were trying to do the best with what their situation was. And my father came from more significant wealth than my mother did. Um, And then they they they're kind of hippies and sort of set off on their own. Um, And so the conversation was never yeah, they, they were, were kind of hippies. Hippies. Like I don't know hippies. how to explain it. Like <laughs> they basically, you know, protested the war and there was a lot of different issues. And my father ended up being sort of um disinherited um from his family for lots of different reasons and ended up sort of starting to you know, they eloped. It was like a very romantic story. Um So like a movie, but anyway, and then they, they have this daughter and uh, two other kids and their attitude about money was they just never talked about it. Um, and so for me, that was hard. Like I had to learn about it, um, from other people and from reading they, what they did instill in me from a very young age, which I have, been trying to instill in my children, and it's not always easy, but an incredible work ethic. So, you know, I was expected to work from the time I was 13 on, you know, whether it was babysitting, mowing lawns, or then becoming a lifeguard or whatever my jobs were. And, you know, college, Mm -hmm. I paid Mm -hmm. for 75% of my college. And I had a different attitude when I was going to class and when I was buying books and I'd have friends that would tease me and I'd be like, I am so excited to get my used book. But I I was invested in the fact that, you know, I was paying for this class and I was going to show up and it, it made a difference. So their attitudes about money were definitely um not what i would recommend um i think it's better to have a more open dialogue and i try to have that conversation with my children and i have a 16 year old son a 12 year old son and a nine year old daughter and my 16 year old son kind of gets it he understands it i you know i make him work and um you know, he, he had his first job this summer and he was basically working at a kayak shop. And you could have thought that he was working in a factory because he's like, this is child, you know, child labor. There's issues here. I'm like, you're outside in the sun, you're in the salt water and people are just so excited to see you. What is so hard about it? But he's slumping. It was such an exhausting day. But I think i caught him, you know, hard work pays off. And he looks at his bank account. And I said, if you want to drive, you're going to pay for your car insurance. Like, but that's going to be so expensive. I'm like, well, Mm. you know, I I keep teaching him, but my other two, I think they still think money grows on trees. So we'll work on that.
0: (laughs) I love that you, well, first of all, I'm like, your parents were hippies. Well, there's a little, you know, there's a little bit of an influence on Perfect. your vineyard, like right? There's a little bit of different flavor yes. <laughs> to that grape. <laughs> and and I, you know, I think that well, I think both you and I are children of that generation, right? So we're 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 children of the the parents of that generation. So I think we get that influence by just pure right. age. Um but it, it is funny to, you know, when you're talking to people, I love that <laughs> love that you shared that particular tip because it's great. But Um, how you're, how you're now taking that and saying, well, I, I sort of had to learn school of hard knocks. So I want to take that to my kids and influence their education and, you know, start at a very young age, which I think is, and I do think work ethic is a really important piece to that. It's not just about the money that you earn, but it's about working hard for it and muscling, you know, putting some muscle into, to what you, um, appreciate, the items that you, either the events in your life or the items that you're able to purchase that bring great value to you. I'm sure your son thought twice about how he spent that money that he earned
1: versus how he would spend your money, right? Exactly. He's a complete miser with his own money, but <laughs> yes. But it, it encourages him to think that way. Definitely, you're right.
0: So when when you think of, I'm just kind of, you know, you're thinking about the conversations that you're having, are you sharing any, um, a sort of quote-unquote money mistakes with your kids, trying to trying to bring those um, what I call notes into um, the next uh, bottle of wine that's being <laughs> being made, um, and you know people pick on me because I can bring anything back to a vineyard and a bottle of wine. But are you sharing any um, any mistakes that you've made trying to to educate them, particularly about any topic?
1: Well, I talk to them about want and need a lot. Um, Someone taught me a long time ago, before you make a purchase, um, really think about it. Is this something you want or is this something you need? Because if you take the time to be really present around that question, it just gives you a little space. Um, And trust me, there's a lot of things that I purchase that I just want, Um, but it's helping them understand. So for him, you know, I've always had the conversation of like, okay, so you, you want to surfboard, but you want to be able to drive and you want to be able to play lacrosse. And, you know, let's make some choices here because these are all not going to happen at once. And he's surrounded by children um, that are given those things without a question. And so he doesn't, you know, all of them don't understand why. They have a different set of rules and I just explained to them, I promise you, I promise you from all the experiences that I've both had working um, with families and individuals and just in my own experience that you're going to be so much better off if you learn this now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they... They don't want to hear that. I'll I'll never forget. A year and a half ago, I was carpooling with a bunch of fifteen-year-olds in the back of my car. There was five of them, and a friend called up and she's like, "I just need someone to shovel out the driveway." She's like, "I sprained my ankle. Can you know? Can you recommend anyone?" So I turned to the group and I said, "Who wants to do some shoveling today for money? Like, you're going to get some serious cash for this." My son was the only one who was like, "I'll do it." The others are like, "No, no, no." And I realized that they had so much disposable income that they Mm -hmm. had no drive to go out. And I grew up having to shovel driveways. So I try to have that conversation. And the other issue I would just bring up just in full disclosure is I went through a divorce um, about four years ago and I made one of the mistakes that I shouldn't have made. And I think a lot of women do. And that's, I took my eye off the ball, um, I got really buried with working and raising my children. I got really focused on that. And I kind of didn't stay involved in the financial decisions that were being made um, in my marriage and for my family. And that, wow, that is the biggest lesson I've ever learned in my life because I was tired and I was burned out. And I just thought... I can just trust him. Like we had conversations, he knows what we should be doing and it wasn't happening how it should have been and shame on me because I, I've been talking about women in investing since 1996 and here I was my, myself being the one that wasn't staying involved. And so I, I don't, I don't want them to make those mistakes. So I don't tell them that story because they're too young to understand that. And it's loaded with other issues but I can't <laughs> explain that you have to know what's going on. You got to look at your brain.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that because I do think that um, you know I there's been a number of clients. I, I mean, I work with a lot of professional women, a lot of them. The majority of my clients are they might be married, but it's generally them that that you know come to the table and their husband comes along because they've said, you know, look, let's work with a financial planner. And that's great. Uh, you know, for it, it warms my heart because I know that more women are, are wanting to be educated and wanting to be aware, but they're, they're very busy and, you know, they need that time on the calendar for somebody to bring their attention to things. And, you know, one of the first things that I often do, um, when I start working with a client is I say, let's pull a credit report on you. And that happened, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, we We had one of you know one of our clients' um, daughter was getting some weird things and and so I said, well, let's sit down and let's pull a credit report and it's her story to tell, but all I can say is that it it uncovered such massive deceit oh. and massive taking the eye off the ball as you said and um, the emotional consequences that resulted in that. And, and, you know, you, you are admitting it and sharing that story, but think back to how you felt when you, when you realized that you weren't as involved as you should have been. And times that times a hundred, because, you know, we, we are still working on, um, you know, uh, charges had to be pressed. It was a whole big thing. And we're still working through fixing her credit report, which was the lowest credit score I have ever seen in my entire life. And there was so much past due and so much debt. And and so, wow. you know, I've yeah. always, that was one thing that I'd always done um, when I started working with a new client and not because, not for that reason, but because it gives me a picture of their total financial health on the debt side to be able to pull that credit report and see those numbers, because, you know, people don't, they, they pay $100 here, they pay $100 there, but they don't often sit down and put it, you know, on a piece of paper and total it up, right? Even though it like, might in their checkbook, they don't necessarily sit there and go, oh, wow, I'm, you know, spending 30% on a car, you know, between everything that I have to pay for, like that's thirty percent of your income, right? Thirty percent in taxes, you're paying twenty percent on your mortgage. Do the math. <laughs> you know, right. right? That doesn't leave you much to live off from. So, no. what's your life like? You know, and so um, the fact that you shared that that story about, you know, you were busy working, you were busy raising a family. It's so important to make sure that you take that time, and, and I'm preaching to the choir a bit, but it's so important to take that time to make sure that your financial health is going to be okay too. My great grandmother, um, she told me she was, uh, I think she was probably close to maybe 80, 89 at the time. And and she said to me, you make sure no matter what, you make sure you keep a penny jar. Now put into consideration she was you know born in 1901 so um, a penny jar was sufficient (laughs) but she said you always make sure you keep a penny jar and I said what's a penny jar and she said a penny jar is is something that if you ever need to you can go to it you you know you want to be married because you want to be married not because you have to be married
1: right And I I thought
0: such great, I mean, you know, great advice from this 89 year old woman who had been married from the time she was like 15 until my great grandfather passed away. And even beyond that, in her mind, you know, she was married. So I think you're, you know, I don't mean to harp on it too much. I imagine it's a very painful thing, but, you know, I guess I want to just accentuate the fact that you are willing to share it. Because I think a lot of people, you know, they, they feel the psychology of money behind it, but they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that I did this. So now I don't want to go get help because I'm embarrassed that I did it. I'm an educated woman. I shouldn't have made that mistake. And it just never gets fixed. right. Right. And we don't judge like, you know, that's one thing that I always say, like, that's not my place. We, we just take where this is a starting, this is a platform that we're starting from. We don't judge any past um, decisions that you've made. We are just going to move forward. So don't be afraid to, you know, ask questions and, and come to the table. And, you know, you said four years ago is when you got divorced. It's four years later. Yep. You're you're moving forward. You're, you're trying to, you know, correct the decisions and, um, make up for some of the things that, that may have occurred,
1: but you know, that now you're moving forward, right? Right. Exactly. And the thing we talk about a lot is when you look at pay equity gap, what it actually Mm. means for you is that even if you're happily married and you're having wonderful discussions at least once a week and you're working with somebody, you still have to think about how your situation is different. Because most likely over a period of time, if you look at over the years, you'll have made significantly less potentially than your spouse. And on average, women take out about take off about nine years to take care of a loved one or a family member. And mm-hmm. we tend to, without help and guidance with someone like yourself, invest too conservatively or or keep it all in the bank in a worst case scenario. And we're going to live so much longer according to statistics. And so we'll have more healthcare expenses. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had this dream that I, you know, my my ex-husband has a pension. And so my dream was that, you know, I'd save for retirement and then he had the pension and we'd be all set. And, and now I face myself sort of having to rebuild everything, um, because there will be no pension and, um, having to figure out sort of what my path is going to look like. And the other thing I would mention, which I've seen probably about 10 very intelligent women do, um, over the past couple of years is going into divorce proceedings without an advisor. Mm -hmm. You have to go in because number one, you're emotionally charged. And number two, Mm -hmm. you need to understand what assets you keep and what are better to let go. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because attorneys will tell you the law, but they're not, they're not going to tell you what you just said. They're not going to say you want this asset over that asset. Um, You you know, based on where your tax bracket is, here would be a better solution for you. Based on your earnings potential, here would be a better solution for you. They're going to tell you what the law is, and that's their job. Like I'm not going to be a lawyer, right? I'm not going to cross that line and practice law, and they're not going to cross the line and be financial planners. So it takes that team, in my opinion, to to. have the outcome be the best it's going to be in that kind of negative situation. Thank you so much for bringing that up.
1: I mean, I really believe there's no other way because I've seen women just come out um, with significant assets sometimes and, and just have had no help and no advice and have made some bad choices or just, you know, ended up on the other side of a divorce and, like you said, wrong assets. Didn't think about things, um and so that to me is never ever go into that without some help and guidance um, from someone like yourself. And by the way, I did not pay her know. to say that. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Even, I just you're, you're just so easy to talk to that I share this because I think I'm supposed to keep that on the down low. But in, in all honesty, I think that's why I care so much about this because. As women, we sometimes take on, or many times take on, so many additional roles. So, our workday does not end at five o'clock. That's just our next shift. Uh, and it looks different. <laughs> um, and so, it's easy to let sometimes things fall through the cracks, and someone who really is educated in it let it happen. And so, it was something I was very shameful about for a long time. But now, it just makes me want to empower other women to not make the same choice. Mm-hmm. And
0: and when I look at, I mean, just kind of you know, inc- like taking that to the next level, it's so in line with where yeah. you're working too. I mean, when you when you go out to the PAX Elevate website, which I would encourage everybody to do, um, one of the things you see on that landing page is invest in women. I mean, that's like bold, bright. It it's right there, front and center, and. You know, there's, there's bold words like, let's close the gender gap. And when you scroll down, you start to see some other things. You start to see some um, materials that you can read more about some of these things. You start to get educated. You start to, you know, education brings power. And and that is so important. And sharing, sharing these stories about Experiences is so important because I think a lot of times we think we're the only ones who have ever gone through this, and I never want to use the words what you're going through is normal because it never feels normal. Um, and I I really dislike that kind of comment, but I think that it's really important to share so that you don't feel like you're the only one and so that other people can say, You know. I, I don't remember the exact answer, but I remember there was something I shouldn't do right. around this or I should do around this. And, you know, be able to have that very open communication and, um, talk about it with each other. And, you know, one thing that I love about, um, the millennial generation, I'm just in awe about them is that they talk about their compensation they do. all the time. And, <laughs> you know, you and I were yeah, raised not ever bring that up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that I love that because I think that that is bringing to light more that there is this gap and that is helping a little bit and we just need to We need to keep doing that and making sure that we bring that out. But I did want to mention, you know, for people that are looking for some resources that they should go out um, to to the PACS Elevate website and really explore um, for good information that's out there. There is some investment information out there as well, but there's a lot of other good information out there just in general that I think is really important for people to educate themselves on um, around this particular topic. Um, And I also wanted to ask you, you know, because you talked about um, the kids, you talked about your three kids, you know, do you do you talk to them or do you have big concerns that you or for your family members that you're that are weighing heavy on your mind?
1: Well, I, I think I have you know a college tuition approaching, which is terrifying because <laughs> it seems like just yesterday he was you know playing Legos on the floor and was a tiny kid, and and now we're starting to talk about that. So that um, is you know I'm trying to figure out how that all comes together. But with my kids, I, I think the biggest thing that I hope for them, um, and I think the millennials are going to change the world. I have no doubt about that. Um, you know, the statistics run anywhere from 86 to 80% of them, you know, when they make an investment, um, they are expecting that a company is is thoughtful in doing good things for the environment, for their employees across the board. Mm -hmm. So they're, they are really, um, both outspoken and I think change makers. So if you look at my children, I guess you would call them Gen Z, right? So they're the, mm-hmm. the next generation mm-hmm. down. Um, and it's really refreshing, you know, to see sort of mm-hmm. already the change happening about how they they look at things. And I'll never forget um, my middle son, um, who tends to be my more my troublemaker. He we went to play a lacrosse game and afterwards we were looking at the field and there was all these like empty Gatorade bottles that had been left behind. And he was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe these people litter. Not only are they bad sports, but they litter, and he went out there and picked them all up. I was like, Oh wow, that's so sweet. And so I do see this generation really caring a lot about the environment. And then I look at my daughter, and that's where it really sinks in. And I think if we stay at the pace we are with the pay gap, it'll take over 200 years to reach parity and trying to explain that to a nine-year-old. And I, I I had to try to explain it to her. I was like, if you and your brother both went out with the same amount of experience and you both got the same job, you know, he's gonna make a dollar and you're going to make 80 cents. And she was like, what? My little feminist was like, explain to me why that's going to happen. That is not fair. And I mean, it was like telling her, guess what? There's, there's no tooth fairy or Santa Claus. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted to be better for her and I wanted to be better for all women. And the thing that you said, and one thing that I, I saw and heard in your podcast was we need to stick together. There's no room for queen bees. So the, Absolutely. the way we make mm-hmm. change happen is we all band together to, to make this change and we invest in each other. We support each other and we commit to each other that we're going to make this different. Um, and that means if you're the only woman on a team and you're sitting in a board, you know, in a boardroom and you're, wow, I'm a big shot, you know, it's all men and it's me. You got to make room for two three, four, five other women at that table and help them get there. Just like you said, like, um, in this industry, there's a lack of women. I think there's less than 20% of financial advisory lifting at last count. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's terrible. So it's let's let's help them get the tools so they can get to where they need to be because it's going to benefit all of us. And I look at my daughter and her friends and I just think like we we got to work faster, smarter, and harder than ever before. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And there's a whole, I mean, there, there's a whole group of us that are, are are doing that. And I think we've developed, I think we've gotten to the age where we've developed confidence that we we are confident enough in ourselves that we can lift up those that haven't, don't have the experience right. that we do. Right. And there's this Um, somebody asked me the other day, like, if you had $5 million, what would you do? I'm like, oh, I would, I would expand my firm. I would go get every woman that I know that would be good in finance. And I would put her through a residency program that would make her a great financial planner or an investment manager or an estate planning attorney or anything to deal with finance. And I would, you know, build this amazing firm that um would be 100% I love it. <laughs> awesome. Now, I'm not I'm not opposed to um working with men. I don't want to sound that way at all cuz I think they they can be very supportive and and you know, if 85% of our profession is men, then we need to reach out to them and say, "Hey, right. can you help us?" And many what of them do. do? Just can not enough help? of them. <laughs> Right, right. So, you know, so I think that, you know, like I said, I've gotten to that age as as well as you and that I, that I feel like that's my mission. Like that's what I, I need to figure out a way to, cause I don't have $5 million. So, so what do I do in my small little world to make sure that, you know, the, that next generation grows to be, you know, fif- more than 15% and that, you know, when I when I go to industry conferences, I um I have to wait yeah, in line. It's good. <laughs> Jeez, the that line is me. good. So <laughs> I would be yeah. very excited about yeah. that. <laughs> so So I I appreciate all the time that you spent with us today. I have a couple of fun closing questions. Um, Some people think they're very deep, but they don't need to be. It's just I I am so interested in people's different definitions of or answers to these questions. But um, one of them is your definition of success.
1: It's changed over the years um, because to me, you know, uh, success was, um, you know, something that was, um, a dollar sign or, you know, a certain thing to have. And to me right now, success is um, doing work that's rewarding that I lo- love and and having my kids all in a pretty good spot because I don't expect perfection, right? Um, I can't expect all of them to be in their best spot all the time in their lives, but to be happy and healthy and to have um, time in my life to build community I never realized how important community was until um, going through my divorce and just having people that have your back. Mm-hmm. So to me, success is having work that I enjoy and that I feel passionate about, having a community I'm connected to, and this is not in a particular order, and then having my kids, you know, in a place where they're they're doing well, um, and well means that they're happy and healthy and engaged, I guess. You know, I
0: I love the answer to that question because I've never had somebody say a particular amount of money in the bank. It it just warms my heart that success is generally about family. It's generally about friends. Um, I guess I'm hanging out with the right people. (laughs) That's exciting to me.
1: (laughs) Yes, I can tell.
0: And I I love to know when Jennifer gets worn down, when she needs some headspace, as I call it,
1: um, what feeds your soul? Um, so there's, there's two things that really, um, help me when I'm, um, when I get into a space like that. Um, and that does happen is number one reading. I love to read and I read a ton of fiction and, um, that's something my mother passed down to me, like going into a public library and smelling the way books smell. And, walking out with a stack was my favorite, one of my favorite parts of my childhood. And I've passed that on to my children. I mean, now I have a Kindle because I travel so much, but I love to read and I, you know, snuggle up and read. Um, And then growing up um, in the Northeast and in New England, I'm a big fan of getting outdoors. And so I'll go for a run on the trails and I mean, really seven minutes in and I feel like, wow, I'm in such a better place. And no matter what the weather is, it just helps me get centered um, and focused. And that right now, I think are the two things that really help me when I'm burnt out. Because when I'm burnt out, it usually means I'm burnt out from both work, um, family, everything. And I just need to somehow get away. And those are the two things that sort of recharge me. You need
0: to take the hat off and just put the sneakers on, huh? (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly. And I just got a new dog. So that's really interesting. So we'll see how that goes because now I'm responsible for four living things besides myself. And um, so it's a five month old black lab. And I do find having her around has encouraged me to sort of slow down at 530 in the morning. There's a sense of peace when you're walking through the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Labs are my favorite just in general. So I I call them fur babies. I'm very passionate about animals because they don't have a voice and we have to be that for them. So, mm -hmm. Um, and if there's one piece of advice that you'd give to listeners, what would it be?
1: I would say um, one, gosh, I have so many. I mean, I already said, like, I think it's so important to to connect with like a, someone like yourself with an advisor that you, um, feel comfortable with. But I think just on a general basis, one thing I try to tell people and educate people about is where you spend your money, um, where, what bank you use, what credit card you use, um, you're making a decision with that money, right? You're, you're giving them, um, Power and so, if that's not a company you believe in, if that if they are practicing in a way that is against your values, don't spend your money there. Right? Think about the bank that's doing good works in the community and deposit your money there. Think yeah. about where you're buying your groceries. Think about where you're buying your flowers this time of year. You know, the the millennial generation has taught us to to, to do this much better than ever before, and it's yeah. like your dollars speak loud and clear. And that goes to investing too. Um, You know, when you're looking at companies and the choices they make and how they treat their employees and how they treat the environment, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that's lined up with your values. And I try to do the same myself and it doesn't always work out perfectly. Um, But I I think you feel so much more connected to all of those aspects when you're Mm -hmm. thoughtful about um, where you're directing your own money.
0: Well, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, then you know one of my favorite sayings is life is about events that are supported by your dollars and cents. And I think you just nailed it the way that you explained it, in my opinion. So, um, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule with your four children. I, I call them for baby and okay. child <laughs> and, um, sharing time and energy and all the wonderful things that you're doing with Pax Elevate. I can't wait to meet you a person in person, hopefully at one of the, the professional conferences that we go to. And, um, one final question in closing, closing, I know you said that you are, um, a fan of Rosé this time of year. Is there a particular food that you like to have with your wine?
1: Don't judge me, but, um, you know, when you get the homemade chocolate chip cookies and you put the vanilla ice cream in the middle, the c- cookie, cookie, which <laughs> that is like heaven right there.
0: <laughs> oh, you just made my <laughs> <No>. day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time. And again, we will put in the show notes the link to Pax Elevate website. If there's anybody or any particular materials that you would like to share with us, we'll be sure to to post them there as well. Make sure that you um, do some do some investigation around matching up your values with your money and the importance that goes along with that. And you know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Thanks. Thank you very much.
2: And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.